the reading is two little bits. One is from Malachi, tucked right at the end of the Old Testament. It's a beautiful book. And I'm just going to read a verse from there, and then I'm going to jump just a few hundred years to the fulfilment. So we start with Malachi chapter 3. Follow if you want. Um, C. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire, he will come, says the Lord Almighty. And then this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived within her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him a name, Jesus, because he will save people from their sin. Amen. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be back with you. Thank you for your kind invitation. I said to Ben when we arrived, look, Ben, I've, I've had a bit of a cough these last week and I, I might sort of struggle this morning. Do you mind if I hand over to you, you know, if I have a bout of coughing? And he said, I've just been finished uh, 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 some antibiotics uh, myself, so so I've got a cough and I might struggle with the worship. So we both looked at each other and we said, okay, we'll hand over to Anna um, <laughs> if, if things go really bad this morning. But Ben was saying um, earlier, a month or two ago, when he asked me to come and share something, I want you to speak on when God seems distant or quiet, when God seems distant or quiet, and there isn't any one of us here this morning, I'm sure, who hasn't experienced God being distant or quiet. You know, it's good for Christians to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with Christians asking questions, particularly when we pray and nothing changes, when we read the Bible and we don't hear God speaking to us, when we have hard times. And we wonder if God is angry or punishing us. Those times when he doesn't feel close. Those times when God seems distant or quiet. So we're going to ask ourselves two questions this morning. And the first one is this. Is God ever distant from us? Is God ever distant 
from us. David writes in Psalm 139, and, and, and I, I thought, it's a long verse, I'm not sure but, uh, what to do with it, but I want to read it out for you, because in some ways it captures the essence of what God wants to say to us about being distant. Psalm 139, every moment you know where I am, David writes, you know what I'm going to say before I even say it. You both proceed and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the morning winds to the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. If I try to hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me, for even darkness cannot hide from God. This is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to your spirit. I can never get away from my God. If you want to answer to the fact, well, the question, is God ever distant from us? There you have it in one Psalm 139. And then Peter writes in the New Testament, Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. I wonder how many times this Christmas... You read the words from Isaiah 7.14. The Lord will give you a sign. A child will be born of a virgin and she shall call him Emmanuel. She shall call him Emmanuel, which means, absolutely, which means God with us. And the prophetic form, fulfillment of that verse in Matthew 1.23. In a dream the angel said to Joseph, the virgin shall give birth to a son and he shall be called Emmanuel, meaning Absolutely right from the very beginning, God is saying, look folks, I want you to know that I am with you, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, however we are feeling. God is omnipresent, which means he is with us uh, everywhere, all the time, but he's also imminent, so he's omnipresent, which means he's with us everywhere all the time, but he's also imminent, which means God is present with us. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present time, uh, an ever-present help in times of trouble. Thus this morning, the beautiful truth is that although God is mighty or inspiring, breathtaking and aware of everything that is happening in the universe and on planet earth yet he is also aware of our individual needs and our every situation you know of course we can try and avoid God's presence with us in Genesis 4, 8, we're told that after Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they hid from the presence of the Lord. And that Jonah, after being asked by God to undertake a preaching engagement, fled from the presence of the Lord. And in Genesis, Cain, after he murdered his brother Abel, went out from the presence 
of the Lord. We can avoid God's presence. You know, the sin of those individuals cut them off from God, as is sometimes the case with us. Our sin can cut us off from God if we've got unconfessed sin in our lives. But even in their sinful state, even in our sinful state, God did not discard them. You know, we may wander off from God, but God in his grace never abandons us, no matter how far we stray. So the simple truth this morning in answer to the question, is God ever distant from us, is this. Wherever we go, whatever we have done in the past, we cannot get away from God. God, through his Holy Spirit, is with us all the time, 24-7, interested in all that interests us and relevant and vital to our lives. You know, occasionally we might feel distant from God, but our feelings are not always an accurate estimation of reality. It's good to have feelings. Of course, they're a natural part of us. But our feelings are not always an accurate estimation of reality because Jesus promised to his disciples just prior to his ascension when he went back to heaven, be sure of this, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, get this. Because life's going to be tough when I've gone. But I am with you, even to the end of the age. You remember the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Two downcast disciples struggling to understand the death and resurrection of Jesus. Two disciples who had followed Jesus but for whom now life just didn't seem to make any sense. Two disciples who felt lost and alone. Two disciples who discovered as they walked and talked. So Jesus walked and talked with them. You know, I wonder if for you this morning, life doesn't make sense. That you simply don't understand why things are as they are. The good news is this morning that Jesus is with us on our journey. Although sometimes we don't always recognize that he is there with us we don't always recognize his presence but he's there with us on the journey through life but our second question is this if God is always with us that he never abandons us that he never lets us go that he's present in our lives all the time is he ever quiet is he ever quiet and the answer is yes, sometimes he is. 
He's deliberately quiet, and usually for three reasons, which we're just going to look at briefly. The first one is this, to test our faith. God is sometimes quiet to test our faith. You remember the story in Mark 4. As evening fell, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. But as they started out, a terrible storm arose, and soon the waves began to break into the boat until it was full of water and about to sink. However, Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I like that. Isn't that a beautiful little (coughs) extra? Jesus was having (coughs) a sleep at the back of the boat, and the boat is sinking. Jesus was right there with his disciples, right there, present with them. But even though these seasoned fishermen were scared stiff, Jesus remained silent until they woke him up and shouted, Teacher, don't you care we're about to drown? At which point Jesus calms the storm. And it's interesting to look at his response to his disciples' panic. And it's not, well, chaps, that was a close one. You were right to be scared. He says this, why were you so Afraid. Do you still have no faith? Why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus told them that they were going to the other side of the lake, but they did not have confidence in his word. You know, sometimes Jesus is quiet because he wants to test our faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says this, What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. So this morning, perhaps we need to ask ourselves, do we trust that God is with us in every circumstance and that what the Bible says is true? That if God says he will do something, we can rely on his promises coming to pass. I wonder if you've had a word from God, that God has promised you something, and that's been delayed, and you're sort of thinking, oh, goodness, can I trust God? It might be that God is withholding the answer to that prayer, to that word he's given you because he wants to test your faith because God wants us to trust him in the good times and the bad, whether we see signs and wonders or not. Jeremiah 17:7 says this, Blessed is the man or woman, I guess, who trusts in the Lord and has made the Lord his hope and confidence. He's like a tree planted along a river bank with its roots reaching into the deep water, a tree not bothered by the heat nor worried by long months of drought. Its leaves stay green and it goes right on producing luscious fruit. I don't know if you want to be a tree this morning that's producing luscious fruit and whose leaves are green, but if you do, we need to trust that God is there. And even if he's quiet, we can still hang on in faith 
to what he's saying. So sometimes, yes, although God is with us, he's quiet because he wants to strengthen our faith. Secondly, sometimes he's quiet so he can teach us patience and help us await his appointed time. You know, God answers prayer in three ways. Yes, no, or wait. And usually, it's wait. Dutch Sheets, in his book Intercessory Prayer, writes, a lack of endurance is often a Christian's greatest cause of defeat, especially in prayer. We don't wait well. We're into microwaving, whereas God is into marinating. Let me say that again. We're into microwaving in prayer, whereas God is into marinating. Now, I'm not a cook. Angie's the cook in our house. She does extremely well. She's kept me going for a long, long time. She produces food. How does she do it day after day after day? Beautiful food. But I do know that marinating is something about soaking something for a long time. That when you marinate something, it takes a while to get the the juices or whatever it is to get into what you're soaking. But most of us these days are into microwaving in our cooking, I guess. And sometimes we're like that in our praying. You know, we live in a 21st century culture which demands we get what we want when we want it. And if our needs are not fulfilled immediately, we become impatient, discontent and complaining. I wonder if it's like that in your prayer life. That if you don't get what you want today because you've prayed it, then we become discontent with God and impatient and complain. You know, sometimes he wants to teach us patience and help us await his appointed time because God is never in a hurry. He is never busy, not even at Christmas. Occasionally his response is instantaneous, but generally his plans involve us waiting because molding people into the shape he wants is a process which takes place within God's time scale which was how it was when Samuel appointed David as king in 1 Samuel you might know the story David was about 10 to 15 years old but he did not actually become king until he was 30 he was anointed when he was a teenager or a young lad, but he didn't become king until he was 30. Why? Because God was wanting to do things in his life. David had to be patient. You know, God is the potter and we are the clay. I'm sure you know this so well. And smoothing off our rough edges. So we become more like Jesus in our attitudes, our speech, our behavior and our life style takes a long time it's a process God is trying to mold us into being more like Jesus 
And that doesn't happen overnight, by and large. It takes a long time. It's a process, and we need to be patient within that process. You remember the story of Moses in Exodus 2 and 3. The baby found by Pharaoh's daughter, yet brought up by his own mother. The prince who lived in a palace. The Hebrew who at the age of 40 saw what was happening to the Israelites in Egypt. <clears throat> and acting on impulse, murdered an Egyptian guard. The man who flees from Egypt and lives in Midian as a shepherd. And at 80... At 80, hears God speak to him. The Bible giant, Moses, who has to wait a lifetime before he is ready to fulfill God's purposes. You see, Moses had a heart for his people, the Israelites. He knew that God was the God of Israel, and he was the only true God. Yet it was not until Moses was an older man that God broke his silence in his life. And why was that? Because while he was in Egypt... Moses had gained privilege and power and knowledge and anger and impatience. Whereas in Midian, in the deserts of Midian, he learnt humility, self-control. What it was like to live in a desert and how to lead, care and protect a flock. In fact, all the skills... He would need when he later took the Israelites out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness for 40 years. James writes this. Is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And try not to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything. Strong in character, full and complete. Be patient. Sometimes God is quiet in our lives because he wants us to learn patience and be ready for his timing. Finally, sometimes God is quiet because he's manoeuvring things into position at a macro and a micro level. Those verses that Angie read to us earlier, between the verses in Malachi 3, verse 1 that she read in the opening chapters of Matthew, there is a period of 400 years during which time there is no prophetic revelation from God to Israel, which was a problem. Because for centuries, the Israelites have relied on God's leading and guiding through various prophets. But after Malachi's prophecy, God is quiet. Malachi 3.1 refers to two messengers whom God will send to Israel. The first messenger is John the Baptist who will prepare the way and the second messenger is Jesus who is the messenger of the covenant. You may have picked that up from the reading that Angie read. The one who fulfills God's promise of a Messiah. In Malachi 3.1, God is saying, look, I'm going to send two messengers. 
But that prophecy is not um, fulfilled until 400 years later when John the Baptist starts to prepare the way for Jesus and Jesus is born. But the question is this, what was God doing in those 400 years that he was quiet? Was he just waiting for time to pass? No. He was manoeuvring things into position at a macro and micro level so that everything was ready for Malachi's prophetic word to be fulfilled. When I was 16, which was a year or two ago, my parents and my brother and I, we moved from London to a house near Chichester in West Sussex. And in 1972, I began studying at a college in Kent and occasionally popped home um, to my parents' house at weekends. Angie, my wife, was living in Coggeshall near Colchester. And she decided in 1973 to attend a teacher's training college in Bognor Regis. Um, she tells me that she attended that particular college because it was a sports college and she knew that the guys who would be going to that sports college um, would be tall, dark and handsome. Quite how she met up with me, goodness only knows, but there we go. Anyway, Angie's... I've, I've moved down with my parents near to uh, Chichester and just come down to college in Bognor Regis. And one weekend we found ourselves sitting next to each other on a pew in a Baptist church. I can tell you it doesn't get any more romantic than that because the rest, they say, is history. But yet for God to bring us together required an extraordinary amount of supernatural manoeuvring at a micro and a macro macro level. And I'm sure you've had similar experiences of God causing events and meetings to take place that naturally would have been impossible. So during those 400 years, between Malachi and Matthew, God was quiet, but he was purposefully bringing about changes at a personal level and a geopolitical level, two of which I want to mention this morning. Malachi prophesied when the Medo-Persian Empire dominated Israel and the Middle East, but that empire was overrun by the Greeks and their culture and language became widespread, which meant that when the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek, they were accessible to many. And when the Romans took over from the Greeks, they built on what was already there and added a vast network of roads and shipping routes which allowed Paul and other missionaries easy access to vast areas of the known world. Thus, quite apart from the many individuals who played major roles in the New Testament, being put into place following the resurrection of Jesus, the good news was able to travel much further and much quicker than it would have done 400 years earlier. Golly gosh, it almost sounds arranged. God was busy 
during those 400 years on a micro and macro level. You know, God is always with us, but from time to time he is quiet, and therefore in the meantime, we remain content in the knowledge that he has our best interests at heart. You remember the story in 2 Corinthians where Paul complains to God about his thorn in the flesh. You know, we're not told whether the thorn in the flesh is a physical ailment or a different problem, but either way it causes Paul considerable difficulty because three times he asks God to remove it, to heal him, to make life easier for him. But each time God says, no, I am with you. That is all you You know, it's beautiful this morning, whatever situation we are in, even if God is being quiet in our lives at this present season, that we can stand on the truth that he is with us and that is all we need. I was reminded of a poem which you may have come across, Footprints in the Sand, it's called. It says this, one night a man dreamt he was walking along the sand with the Lord and as scenes from his life flashed into his mind, he noticed footprints in the sand. Usually there were two sets of footprints, but at the lowest point in his life he could see only one set of footprints. So he said to the Lord, you promised you would walk with me always, yet when I needed you most, you abandoned me. And the Lord replied, my precious child, I love you and would never leave you. The times when you saw only one set of footprints. It was then that I carried you. Isn't that beautiful? It was then that I carried you when you saw one set of footprints. God never leaves us. Isaiah 49 should be on the screen says this, some say the Lord has deserted us. He has forgotten us. Never. Can a mother forget her little child and not have love for her own son? Yet even if that should be, I will not forget you. See, I have tattooed your name on the palm of my hand. If you thought tattoo parlours were something of a modern creation, you're wrong. God got there first. Your name is tattooed engraved forever on his palm. Even if your mother, father has forgotten you in the past, God says, I will never forget you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is God ever distant from us now? Is he quiet sometimes? Yes. But we can rejoice this morning that he has our best interests at heart, whatever our situation is. I'm going to ask Angie to put up slide 11. 
which is a prayer. And I'd like us to say it corporately in a moment because it just sums up what we've been sharing this morning. So maybe we could just stand. We've been sitting for a while. And as with any prayer, it's important that we say it from our hearts, not just read it from the screen, but say it from our hearts. And if you can't do that, then fine, fine to keep quiet. But let's say it from our hearts, let's mean it. So may God, in the good times, hard times and the times he is quiet. Help us not to demand answers, but rest in the fact that Jesus has got everything in hand and that although he might not remove our burdens, he will help us manage our trials. Amen. Please be seated.